Welcome to Wimbledon Calling with Hall School Wimbledon, the podcast from the school which is driven by pupils and staff alike. This is episode number one in the school's new podcast channel, and it's an extra special one that comes to you from headmaster Andrew Hammond and, more importantly, from pupils Chloe, George and another George. Together they discuss some amazing ideas, such as why Mr Hammond went into teaching, what the purpose of education is and how it's changed over the years. But we also hear about some other cool things too, like the recent Minecraft project, the Natural History Museum project and how children may well be in education in the future. So get ready for episode number one of Wimbledon Calling as we step into the headmaster's office with Andrew Hammond, George, other George and Chloe. Welcome to today's episode of Notes from My School Bag. I'm Chloe and these are my friends. George, hi. And George M. We are your hosts for today's episode. There are many ways that schools connect with families and this is one, one of the most exciting ones yet. And we're not only connecting with families but we're connecting with the whole world. Absolutely, Chloe. And I'm very excited that we're going to hear directly from the headmaster today about his own experience and amazing journey. Mr Hammond has worked in schools for 20 years as a head teacher, deputy head, director of studies, housemaster, head of English and class teacher in both independent and maintained sectors. Before joining HSW, he was the senior director of learning and community at Discovery Education, leading on professional development for teachers and leaders. A prolific author and keynote speaker, Mr. Hammond has written over 30 titles for various educational publishers and regularly speaks on creativity and character education. Mr. Hammond, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me in this first episode. I I must say I'm really excited and I'm I'm really pleased to be able to be a part of this conversation. Mr. Hammond, why exactly did you go into teaching? That's a very good question. That's a very good question. And uh, I'll try and keep my answer brief. It wasn't the first career for me, I have to say. I, I, I trained and I worked in law. I worked for a firm solicitors up, up in Yorkshire for a few years. I have to say that the part of my week that I look forward to most, this might surprise you, was a Friday night. And that wasn't because I was, you know, in a restaurant or a pub having a drink on Friday night. It's because on a Friday night, I was actually a scout leader. And that's what I did. So I changed my pinstripe suit for a scout leader's uniform and that's what I did. And I have to say, just, I mean, that's what I look forward to most of all, every week, every week. And so if I could have been a full-time scout leader, I would have been. But clearly I'm not Bear Grylls. So I decided to go into teaching instead. Why? Because I think there's no better privilege that I can think of to be there, to be present when children start to flourish and when they find their thing, when they find their element. And to be there, to be part of that journey, to help to build character, to build confidence, to build all those deep down things which I think matter, which maybe we'll come on to a bit. And to be part of that is just such an enormous privilege, really. So I think that's why I went into teaching in the first place. But I think it stemmed, yes, back from my, from my scouting days. <laughs> what do you think is the purpose of education? Wow. How do you catch the ocean in a bucket? You know, I mean, how, how do I capture that in a, few, in a few moments? I mean, funnily enough, at the moment, I think the inheritance, if you like, that we have... The system that we've inherited of, of, of education in this country is, I think one might say, is built on Victorian assembly lines. Now, I know there are some schools across the country, many schools that predate Vic- the Victorian era. They've been around for centuries. But if you look back to 1870, which is it's called Forster's Act, it's the Education Reform Act. It's 
going to get terribly boring here. I'm not going to give you a history lecture, I promise. But it matters because around that time, that's when education was brought in for everybody, for state education. It was mandated. It became compulsory for all children. And that was a really good thing, a really good thing, because it meant that children were brought, well, frankly, were brought down from chimneys and out of workhouses where they were doing jobs that were far too, they were far too young to be doing, and they were given an education. So that was a benevolent act, a really good thing to do. But there was a problem, in my view, in that because it was brought in in the 1870s, if you think about it, that's Victorian England. And, and of course, we, we built our reputation on industrial lines, on factory lines, on being able to make stuff. And we did it really well. And the problem with that is that if you're making stuff in a factory, that requires, I think, three things. It requires a system of standardisation, mass production and quality control. And those three things, standardization, mass production, quality control, work if you're a widget, if you're a component that you're, and you're being built and you're on a production line. But it doesn't work in school because we're not widgets, we're individual with different, you know, and everyone is different. So I think the purpose of education, yes, it is certainly in those early days, which was decided it was to develop academic intelligence because it was felt that we needed well, frankly, more sort of white-collar workers, if you like, rather than blue-collar. In other words, we needed people to have those, those skills in reading and writing, you know, calculating. And that's important, and that's a really important part of education. But I honestly think there's so much more to it than developing academic intelligence, isn't there? Don't you think? There's more to school than that. I think there are some deep-down things that matter in education too, such as your health and your self-worth. And we're lucky here, aren't we? Because we have health and self-worth written on our jumpers as a daily reminder. If you look on your jumpers, you've got HSW. Now, I know that means Hall School Wimbledon. But as I've said before in assemblies, I think that's health and self-worth, isn't it? So education is about developing your health and self-worth. And I think your self-worth is really important because it leads to self-discipline. It's also your view of the world and of your role within it. So I think school is the arrivals lounge for life. And I think we need to equip you with all the skills that you need the toolkit that you need for life, one component of which is your academic education. And that's only one component, I think. But I could go on and on and on, but I'm sensing we're ready for the next question, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of people nodding here. Right, and it's George. Why did you choose Hall School Wimbledon? I refer the honourable gentleman to my previous answer, really, because, you know, this is the only school I've ever come across where health and self-worth is so championed. It's so important here. So I've been looking, uh, this is my 24th year of being in education. I've just realised that. I think that's why I look so tired. 24th year of teaching and being in education. It's the fourth school where I've been a headmaster. And I've been looking for a school for so long that I think shares the same values that I have, which is that it's about looking at the whole child. I'm thumping the table there. It's about viewing the whole child in front of you, not just educating from the neck upwards, you know, just your head. It's heart-centred as well. It's, it's about motivation. It's about all those things. And I genuinely think Hall School Wimbledon does that. I think we view the whole child in front of us. And what I mean by that is we care about you. I'm going to get all soppy now. But we do. You know, we really do. And we care about how you feel. There's a great quote from the brilliant educationalist Eric Jensen who says, how we feel is what's real. It's the link to what we think. And that's true. And that's really true. So I think Hall School Wimbledon, better than any school I've ever been in, really cares for the whole child. 
And I love that. And that doesn't mean to say that we've gone soft and we're not ambitious for you. We still want work to be challenging. We want to be ambitious. We want to really, really give you as many opportunities as possible to, to nail it, to flourish. But at the same time, we know that that's only possible if you're feeling okay, you know, and you're feeling positive. It's a bit of both, isn't it? So that's why I was very keen to come here. And uh, luckily, I've been proven right. My research, my theories were right. This is actually the school for me. Chloe. What do you value most in education? I suppose in a way I've, I've just kind of listed that really. I suppose I value... <laughs> We've got a real giggle here. And I'm glad you're giggling actually. Because, you know, what do I value? I'm going to answer this question differently to how I, I thought I might answer it. Although, frankly, I hadn't actually given it any thought. I think it's actually joie de vie. Having a love of life, you know. I think that's so important. I think it's so important that when you wake up, you set the switch to optimist. And I think, you know, we can, optimism is a place you can choose to live in. And I think education needs to be uh, optimistic. I really do. So I value learned and robust optimism hugely. I think it has a massive effect on us. I value that massively. And of course, I value your well-being and your, your positivity and the way you feel about yourself. Because I can tell you many, many times in a day how brilliant you are. I'm not sure it matters as much as when you finally decide that you're actually quite brilliant. And when you make that decision, when you cross the Rubicon and you make that choice to say, actually, no, I'm actually pretty good at this, I've got this, then I think everything else happens from then. So what do I value most in education? I value you valuing yourself. And if, if you get there, then we've done a good job. George? How has education changed over the years? I think in some ways it's changed, and frankly, in other ways, I don't think it's changed at all. I think those lines, those factory lines of... Um, of standardisation, of mass production, of, uh, of quality control. Well, I mean, frankly, maybe I'm just an old cynic now, but I, I do recognise those three characteristics in teaching now in terms of uh, when we don't get it right. I think when, when schools don't get it right, I think there is an awful lot of standardisation. There's kind of a mass production approach with an awful lot of children in, in a classroom, bless them. It's not their fault. It's not the teacher's fault. It's just the system. And there's a lot of quality control, which is, you know, academic qualifications. But you ask me, how has it changed? We're, we're trying to move, not, I don't mean away from that, but above and beyond that. So it isn't just about academic qualification. And also, I have to say, one of the things that's changed is that certainly when I was at school 150 years ago, we didn't have, we didn't have mobile phones. <laughs> we didn't have a computer. No, we, did, but we didn't. I didn't, you know. I remember waiting and saving and saving. Eventually, I could afford my ZX81, which I believe had 1K, which I, you, you probably know what that means, but it means it wasn't a very big computer. So, you know, the landscape has changed unrecognisably since the 70s and 80s. It really has, in terms of global communication, social media. How you consume content is, has changed immeasurably and exponentially. It really has. So you're no longer being told, or we shouldn't just say, right, morning, please sit down, page 13. It doesn't work. Why? Because you're, we're, we're, we're up against, we're competing with so many more exciting ways of consuming content, aren't we? I mean, the way you consume content now it's so exciting. So we have to compete with that. And it isn't the case now that simply by virtue of you being children and me being a grown-up, even though you're bigger than me, it isn't the case that quite, quite rightly that children are seen and not heard and will, will respect their elders and will not speak until they're spoken to. How old-fashioned is that? 
And if you don't wish to learn, I can't make you. How am I going to do that? I don't want to do that. I want you to want to learn. So we have to sell it. We have to sell learning to you. And we have to do it in ways which kind of stand up and compete quite well with the other forms of communication that you're, you're using. So we have to use a myriad of different, you know, different media. And we have to keep it you know, exciting and engaging. And we want you to, to want to do it. So your investment, your engagement, I used that word the other day, your botheredness, in other words, we want you to be bothered, is what counts now. Because it isn't the case, thankfully, where we just go into the old-fashioned role play of I am the teacher, you are the child. You'll speak when, when I say you can speak, you know. <laughs> we don't do that. I'm very pleased about that. So, yeah, it has changed unrecognisably now. And it's much more focused, rightly, on independent thinking, independent learning, interdependent learning, actually, where we're all connected. And it's about you wanting to be, you know, hopefully self-motivated and taking advantage of all the different technologies that are out there so that we can prepare you properly for life. You know, middle-aged people like me sit around tables all the time thinking, how are we going to prepare you for the future? You are the future. Well, that's bonkers. You know, I have a vision as to what the future is. You have a vision to, uh, about what the future is. And we kind of meet somewhere in between. That's why progress is so inexorably slow sometimes, because I have to keep up with you guys. And wouldn't it be great if we could just say, well, actually, no, don't worry about it. I'll keep up. You just keep forging ahead. You keep pushing ahead. You tell me what the future's going to be like. Then I think it really gets exciting. Uh, I'll end there. And I think one of the things that makes this job so exciting, and it's really what I've just said, is about when we kind of hand the microphone to you and we say, what do you, what do you feel we should be preparing for? Yes, we will equip you with all the skills that we think you need, but what about you? And the only way we do that is to give you space. And education is about space. So for you to have the space to do an independent project, to rally around each other, to, to pull together to, as a team and to create something special, even without our telling you to, is when things get really exciting. This is why I was so keen to speak to you. Because you're personifying what I've just said. You are showcasing what it means to be an independent learner because... You came to me a few weeks ago and said, we've been doing a project on something called Minecraft, this sort of odd thing called Minecraft. Why don't you tell us about what Minecraft is, first of all, and tell me about this project, because it's brilliant. Well, firstly, it's not an odd thing. I think it's a, <laughs> okay. quite a popular game. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's me it's, then. It's the that's most, me. <laughs> I think it's the most popular game in the world. <laughs> okay, right. Note to self. Keep, keep up to speed on Minecraft. So what is this project? So what we've been doing is we've already built the whole school in Minecraft, quite accurate, not quite a block-to-block representation, but it was quite accurate. Amazing. It took us quite a long time to finish it, but once we did finish it, it really, like, showed us what, like, teamwork's all about and creativity. Brilliant. Now we started, we made the after-school club for Minecraft, and we've got lots of people in it. This is amazing, and it's been an amazing journey. So you actually built a full version, not a full scale, but a full version of the school inside and out. And then, you remember when you mentioned it to me, I said, well, will you do an assembly? So you did an assembly, didn't you? Where you gave everybody a tour inside the school. And then you came to see me a little bit later, and you asked me, what's my favourite building, didn't you? And I said, the National History Museum. That's right, isn't it? The, na- the, na- the Natural, I'm so sorry, the Natural History Museum. And, uh, and I do think that's a stunning building. And then what, what, what's your plans for that? And what did you come and ask me? You asked me a couple more questions, do you remember? A bit later. What did you ask me? 
we asked you what we were struggling to find a block that worked with the right color. And we also asked you if we could extend the deadline to two years for the project. <laughs> I think that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, when for, for, for three students like you to come knock on my door and say two questions. One is, do you like which shade of brick do you want? Because we want to get it closely matching the, the building itself. And secondly, do you mind if we stretch it from one year to two years? I thought, you know, that shows such tremendous commitment. It really does. So I think it's been brilliant. And this club that you're running now is, is I, I think it's either the first or the second biggest club in the school. I was there just to drop in last week and it was packed and you ran it brilliantly. And are you, what's your hopes for this club? What do you want to achieve in the club? So we are planning to build a city and each student, <laughs> a city, and each student qu- contributes and builds their own little building. Some of our, some of our most popular ideas was a volcano and a casino. Oh, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant! Love the casino. I, th- I think it's a brilliant idea to do to do a, a, a city, and it gives you lots of scope, doesn't it? Will this city contain a school, maybe? No. <laughs> No, we don't need a school. There you go. <laughs> what a great place. And on that bombshell, we don't need a school. I, I, think, I think it's a brilliant project. I really do. And I think it just sums up what I think is so special here, which is that we give you space, we give you scope to be able to... Yes, of course, we do all the curriculum, we do all the learning, and we make it as fun as possible. But then we give you a bit of space to be able to come up with your own ideas. And I think, to be honest, you have done it brilliantly from the very beginning to where we are now in such a short space of time. And it's a brilliant, brilliant example of teamwork and determination. And not a little skill as well, actually, because, I, I mean, you know, I, I barely know how to navigate my way around a computer. And you're, you're so advanced. So it's brilliant. And it's funny that I should talk about, uh, you know, preparing for the future and giving you the skills that you need for the future, because that is the theme for our next episode of this new podcast, which is when we're going to sit down with some more students of lots of different ages, because obviously we have them from very little to very big here. And we're going to sit down and we're going to discuss what does the future look like for you? And I'm really looking forward to that. Well, thank you ever so much. I started by being introduced as your guest. I'm now finishing by saying thank you to my guests. <laughs> Thanks ever so much. Just say cheerio and thank you. Cheerio. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Thanks for listening. So that was Andrew Hammond, joined by George, other George, and Chloe, bringing their ideas to us in episode number one of Wimbledon Calling with Hall School Wimbledon. For more information, visit the school's website, hsw.co.uk, or you can email Andrew Hammond himself, head at hsw.co.uk. Now, the next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.